is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I've been preparing this week and uh, planning for this morning and praying about it, seeking God and uh, had a really good time preparing the passage for this morning and felt I had uh, really a, a reasonable message to bring and is what God had for us this morning and felt quite comfortable about that until I went out to pray this morning and felt God started to speak a little bit about some other things. I'm thinking, okay, well, we'll see where that goes. And uh, by the time we uh, started to worship, I, I knew that really what I had, I needed to ditch and uh, bring something different. And I trust, try and respond to the of the Holy Spirit. So that's what I'm going to do. So if I'm more rambly than usual, that is why. And uh, for those of you who are wondering, what was he writing as we were worshipping? I was desperately praying and asking God to give me some more and uh, to underline some things I felt he was going to speak to us about. So um, that's where we're going to go this morning. I, I trust I'm going to be obedient to, uh, to Jesus and what he wants for us and uh, try my best to, to follow the prompting of the Spirit and see what God has for us this morning. Is that okay? So that's the plan. So literally, I'm, I'm standing on the edge of the stage right now. I feel like I'm on the edge, slightly. Pray, and uh, you could pray for me, actually. I would really like that. And uh, let's pray and ask God to, uh, to lead us and be with us this morning and to help us. Lord Jesus, we want to say that we love you. And we thank you for your presence here. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And uh, Lord God, I just want to say now in this place, I want to be obedient to your promptings. And uh, Jesus, I pray that you would help me now to communicate what you've put on my heart. And Lord Jesus, it would serve us well, it would build us up, and it would glorify you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Okay, well... I think I should call this message the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life. And so, if you are taking notes, then uh, good luck. And uh, that should, probably should be your heading, the normal Christian life. And I guess I'd want to very, very deliberately, because for me, what I'm going to talk about this morning wasn't part of my normal Christian life for many years. So, I grew up uh, in a Christian family, my uh, parents were and still are Christians and love Jesus very much and uh, I grew up in, in a great church that honoured God and um, that's why I got saved at a fairly young age but what I want to speak about this morning wasn't part of my Christian experience until my early 20s which as many as you would know wasn't that long ago obviously um, but what I want to speak about wasn't part of normal for me and it wasn't part of normal, even for the church that I was part of. Even though it was a great church and loved Jesus. And uh, I, was reflect I was there just a few weeks ago, actually. And I was reflecting with a friend the number of people that have been, been sent out from that church and are now leading churches 
or mission agencies and uh, faithfully going on for God and remaking a remarkable difference in his world. And uh, the number of people that it's raised and sent out is really quite phenomenal. But this, what I want to talk about this morning, wasn't part of my early Christian experience. And really wasn't part of my Christian experience at all until my, as I say, my early 20s. What I want to talk about is the life and the work and the person of the Holy Spirit this morning. And it seems appropriate because it's Pentecost Sunday. And if you follow the uh, Christian calendar or the church calendar, you'll know that this is the weekend, this is the Sunday where we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming on the early church at Pentecost. Now, now I knew that this week as I was preparing, um, but uh, I felt I needed to keep going in our mammoth trek through Luke and uh, didn't want to lose ground on that and uh, felt I could still bring some things into that. But just as we were worshipping this morning, really felt God prompt me that, no, no, what I need to do is to, to look at this and this alone this morning. So I, I'm not expecting this will be a very long message um, but I am trusting that God's going to meet us and provoke us and challenge us and fill us afresh. Does that sound good? Yeah, some of you are nodding. That's, that's very encouraging. Believe me, I need all the encouragement I can get right now. So even if normally you know, you're not a happy, smiley person, that would really, really help me. And uh, there are one or two, where's Chrissy gone? I need Chrissy. Chrissy's the happiest, smiliest person uh, that I know. I said, look, Derek, you'll just have to pretend to be Chrissy for me, okay? okay. Can you do that? That would really help me. Okay? So, yeah, you know, and I need some feedback. You need to encourage me and look, look like, you know, you're, you're receiving enthusiastically what we're, we're talking about. That would really help me. And so, why, why I say what I did to start with about the normal Christian life is this. Because I think for many Christians today, it's not a dissimilar journey. For many Christians... The work and the person, the filling of the Holy Spirit in their life is not normal. For them it's something that they've perhaps heard about or they've seen in the life of others but isn't their everyday normal experience. And even for those who do know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to receive him, for many of us, that still isn't our everyday normal experience. It might be a special event or a particular meeting. Or you can think, yes, I know God met with me powerfully then or or here. But what I want to share with you this morning is really what I believe the Bible has for us every day. What should be normal. What the Bible now expects as normal Christianity. It seems rather ironic and impromptu preach on the Holy Spirit, bearing in mind my <laughs> early Christian experience that, that I've shared with you. Um, but I do believe this is so important for us. And even if you're thinking, yeah, no, no, I know this, I'm good on this one, I'm good to go, please stay with me, because I do believe God's got things for all of us this morning. So I just want to go a bit of a backtrack, if you like, and uh, just do a bit of a survey very, very, very quickly of the Holy Spirit through Scripture. Because actually the Holy Spirit is there all the way through Scripture. It's not that he suddenly turns up in Acts 2 and goes, Surprise, I'm here! You didn't realise, but now, now I'm around. No, no, actually he's there right from the very beginning of time. So if you've got a Bible with you, you might want to 
Um, have it to hand. We're going to look at a few verses together and uh, flip our way uh, forward, starting somewhere near the very beginning. So Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Do you notice there, right at the very beginning of time, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is present, he is active, and he is involved even in creation. So it's not that we get to Acts 2 and suddenly we discover that the Trinity is uh, composed of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No, no, no. He's there, right at the very beginning, hovering over the waters, we're told. And right the way through the Old Testament, you come across the work of the Spirit. You come across the Holy Spirit coming to particular individuals at certain times for a particular purpose. So you find the Holy Spirit coming to different individuals and anointing them for a particular task maybe, or a particular occasion, for something that God wants them to do, the Holy Spirit comes and brings that anointing. There are occasions too in the Old Testament where the presence of God is seen and and manifest in unusual ways. But it isn't, isn't every day. It isn't a normal experience. It is on certain occasions, at certain places and certain times for different individuals. However, the Old Testament people of God, particularly the prophets, were looking forward to a different time. They were looking forward to when something was going to change. So, for example, probably the most well-known prophetic passage in the Old Testament about this is from the book of Joel. And probably it's the most well-known passage because it's one that Peter refers to on the day of Pentecost. And he says, what you see now is, 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 is this. But what Joel says is this. He says, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Let's just pause there for a second. This is different now. This is not what has happened up to this point in time. And even as Joel brought this, it wasn't going to change just then. It was going to change at some point in the future. I'll pour out my spirit, not on just certain people, not on just a select few, not on just somebody for a particular task at a certain time. No, no. I'll pour out my spirit on... All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. John, you saw a vision. It's good. Your young men will see visions. (laughs) Receive it. (laughs) Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And Joel goes on and talks about uh, other occasion, uh, sort of future things about the coming 
of the Lord's at the, at the end of time. I'll show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That phrase, the day of the Lord, that he uses. But so often with prophetic passages, there are fulfilments at different times. And Peter makes it very, very clear that what happens at Pentecost, and we'll come to it in a moment, is the fulfilment, or at least part of the fulfilment, of what Joel was prophesying about then. So I'll pour out my spirit on all people. There'll be your sons and daughters will prophesy, old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And so there was a looking forward to a time when it was going to be like that. It was going to be different. And they were looking forward to it. If we jump forward to the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, then we find as well that Jesus also looked forward to the coming of the Spirit. And he talked about it on different occasions, many occasions in fact, and was referring to something that was going to happen. Not that he was going to do right there and then, but something that even he at that point in time was still looking forward to that was going to be fulfilled. So for example, in John chapter 7, might be a passage that's familiar to you, Jesus stands up in the last and greatest day of the feast. This is verse 37 of John chapter 7. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So John in his Gospel makes it really clear what's happening here, doesn't it? He's not leaving it uh, in any sense uh, ambiguous for us. He's referring to what Jesus said, how he stood and and spoke these words, and then John clarifies clarifies it for us, so so we understand what Jesus is referring to. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And as John says, by this he meant the Spirit. If you turn over a few pages, or scroll down, or click, whatever you happen to be doing, in John chapter 14, Jesus talks about the coming of the Spirit again. And Jesus promises the Holy Spirit here. And he, he says, um, where are we? John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command, Jesus says. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. See, Jesus, the context here is Jesus had been talking about returning to God the Father. He was making it clear to the disciples he wasn't always going to be around. There was going to be a time that he was going to go. But Jesus says, listen, it's okay. I will ask the Father and he'll give you another counsellor to be with you. The Spirit of Truth. Be with you forever, in fact. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor 
knows him. But you will know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, Jesus says. So he's making them his promise. He's saying, listen, guys, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send another counsellor. And then to jump to the verse 25 of the same chapter, Jesus says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, just so we're clear who he's referring to here, the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Isn't it interesting? In the context where Jesus is telling his disciples that he is going to go, He's he's promising that someone else is going to come. The counsellor, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And right in that context, Jesus talks about peace. Isn't it interesting? Because at that moment, his disciples are probably troubled, thinking, hey, their world's going to change. Jesus is off. How's it going to be? Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And it's in that context, he talks about his peace. Jesus does give us peace. His peace. Isn't it interesting that passage in John chapter 7? There's a few things that Jesus says. So he talks about if anyone is thirsty, doesn't he? He uses that word. If anyone is, is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I wonder this morning are you thirsty for more of God? Are you thirsty for more of His presence in your life? And this is a question that you could answer whether you've not known Jesus before, even heard of him before this morning, or whether you've walked with him for many years. Are you thirsty for more of him in your life? At the, uh, the family meeting on Tuesday, I was uh, sharing about my recent uh, trip to a church in South Wales, which is experiencing uh, a marvellous move of God and seeing Uh, Many people saved and others healed and God doing all sorts of wonderful things. And one thing I noticed there, probably probably one of the biggest things that I came away with, was seeing people's hunger and expectation for God. Seeing people's thirst for more of him. It was tangible. You you, you, you could sense it. In in the room, you could sense that people were hungry for more of the Lord. They were thirsty for his presence. They were expecting God to break in at any moment. And you know what? He did. (laughs) He did. God often breaks in, as John was saying earlier, suddenly. In unexpected ways. In unexpected places. Probably no one was going to expect it in where it's happening at the moment. But God does those sort of things. So are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Jesus says, come to me and drink. It's, a, it's an active thing, isn't it? Drinking is not something you can just do passively. It's not something you can put a bottle of water down and just think, well, that's going to refresh me. The truth of it is, yes, it will refresh me if I take hold of it and do it and drink some. Just having it around doesn't make any difference. I can hold it next to me and actually it isn't doing me a whole lot of good. For the the water to actually bring any refreshment to me, I need to drink it. That was a well-timed illustration because I needed to do that anyway. But it's true, isn't it? 
for water to refresh us, we need to actively drink it. And actually, Jesus uses the same sort of word here, saying, come to me and drink. You need to drink in the Holy Spirit. It's an active thing. It's not just a passive thing saying, okay, God, well, if you want to, you know, if you, if you like, come and get me, come and fill me, if you want. It's not that sort of passive thing. It's an active thing where we come to God intentionally to receive and receive from him. Jesus talks about there being streams of living water that will flow from us. It's a great picture, isn't it? It talks about streams of living water. It's like, actually, streams is often a picture in the Bible of the Holy Spirit, of the presence of God. And so it isn't even something that is going to happen and is a static thing, but rather it's something that's going to happen and flow. There's going to be a flow out of us. It's not the Holy Spirit's going to come to us and, if you like, just stop there. Actually, the Holy Spirit is, is meant to come to us and flow through us out to other people as well. Do you believe that? It's not like it's a pond of the Spirit where the Spirit just sort of comes and resides and that's it. Ponds get stagnant, don't they? They get stagnant because there's no outflow. The water can't go anywhere. The same is true for us, friends. As Christians, we can get stagnant when there isn't an outflow of the Spirit. When we're not allowing God to flow through us to other people. This is a stream of living water. It's meant to go somewhere. It's meant to bring refreshment to others as well. We're running on on time. I need to keep going. I could stay there all morning. Okay, so let's, let's jump forward to Acts chapter 1. So we're still looking at what Jesus had to say about the Spirit. So Acts chapter 1 verse 4. So this is now after Jesus' death and resurrection. He's now appearing to his disciples on different occasions. Luke tells us that he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises a gift here. This is not something that you need to earn. This is a gift of God to us. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up from before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus promises a few things here, doesn't he? He promises the Holy Spirit and he promises that as the Holy Spirit comes they are going to receive power and they're going to be his witnesses. And that happened, didn't it? As we celebrate Pentecost this weekend we're told at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 that when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven 
and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And immediately we see other people asking questions about what's happening. Asking questions like, are these guys drunk? Think of it for a moment. They must have been acting drunk for people to ask that question. Something must have happened. So people are saying, are they drunk? What's going on? They just have too much wine? And Peter stands up and explains, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he refers to the passage we read a little bit earlier. He takes Joel's prophetic word, his prophetic passage here, from Old Testament scripture, and he applies it to what was happening there and then in that moment. He said, what Joel spoke about, it's happening now, right before your eyes. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. And Joel goes on. Oh, sorry, Peter goes on, using that passage that we read a little bit earlier. So now, this is normal Christian life. This is the first time the Holy Spirit is poured out in this way, but there are lots of other occasions right throughout the New Testament where the Holy Spirit comes to different people at different times. And it seems to be part of its normal Christian living. It's normal Christianity. It's what should be expected. And it isn't always with tongues of fire like this. But something always happens. There's always evidence of the Holy Spirit coming. It's always very clear. Others can see that the Holy Spirit comes. And you can read through the book of Acts and see uh, different occasions where Peter or, or Paul and, and others re- refer to this and talk about the Holy Spirit coming. And as people put their trust in Jesus, they'd be asked, have you received the Spirit? Have you received the Spirit? And they'd be prayed for, and hands laid on, and the Holy Spirit would come. This is now normal (coughs) Christianity. But do you notice that what happened in Acts 2 dramatically changed things for the early church? Dramatically changed things. So beforehand... They're frightened. Now, they're fearless. Before, they're passive. Now, they're powerful. Before, they're hopeless. Now, they're full of hope. The Holy Spirit coming has changed things for them. So do you see, do you see it here? So they're a frightened group of believers. They're thinking, are, they, are the authorities going to come and arrest us now? You know, are they going to be after us? You know, are we going to be the next ones? But now they're fearless after the Holy Spirit comes. Peter bursts onto the scene, preaches his first message, and as we know from Scripture, about 3,000 are saved and added on that one day. Not a bad result, I think most of us would agree, for his first sermon, with equally less preparation, it seems. But they go from being passive to powerful as well. So suddenly they're thrust out and the early church bursts onto the scene. And no more are they just a locked away group of believers in an upper room. But now they're in society, they're meeting together, 
daily in the temple courts. Miracles are happening. People are turning to God every day. Things are happening in quite a wonderful way. And now they're full of hope because the Holy Spirit has come to them and brought alive the words of Jesus to them. So this is now normal Christian life. And it's not just in the book of Acts either. You can look through the rest of the New Testament and see these are the things referred to time and time again. So for example, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, um, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. A better translation would be, go on being continually filled with the Spirit. It's not just a one-off occasion. And friends, I think this is where some of us trip up. I think some of us think, oh yeah, I remember becoming a Christian. I remember being filled with the Spirit. And uh, now I'm just trying to live for Jesus. Actually, what Paul is saying here is, go on being continually filled with the Spirit. It's how you're meant to live for Jesus. It's how God empowers you to live out the Christian life. I think I spent many years trying to live out the Christian life and be faithful to Jesus without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, it was hard work. Maybe some of you can relate to that. But actually what we're meant to do is receive the Spirit and receive his power for living. So receiving the Spirit brings a number of things, and with this I'm going to try and come into a close. Firstly, the Spirit brings peace and security to us. We know who we are in God. The Holy Spirit comes to us as a seal, a guarantee of what is to come. And God gives us his peace through the presence of the Spirit. As well as that, he comes and brings power to us. So you will receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And as well as that, as well as bringing peace and power, suddenly in the, in the New Testament here, there's purpose as well. There's purpose. So do you notice, it, immediately, the early church are out there. They're on mission straight away. They're talking about what Jesus has done. They're looking at reaching other people. They're wanting to tell others. They, they, they go off to pray. They, they meet a, a, lame, a lame guy just there begging for some, some money. What's their reaction? Not to give him some cash, but to pray for him and heal him in the name of Jesus. They're out there and they're active for the Lord. Why? Because they're full of the Spirit. It's what the Spirit brings. He brings a purpose to fulfill a purpose for our lives. And power as well to live free. Just to pick up on that prophetic word that John had earlier. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings power to live free. And power to live for Jesus. Power for you to speak of him. Power for you to witness. Power for you to live in a way that honours God's power to help you tell others about him. And as well as that, the Holy Spirit brings his gifts. We haven't got time to look at this really this morning, but often we can think about gifts of the Holy Spirit in a worship context. And that's good. I like worship contexts. (laughs) I love that. I love it when the Holy Spirit speaks and and gifts are, are brought and there's prophetic words and tongues and interpretations and words of knowledge in a worship context. That's great and I love that and I'm all for that. 
They are gifts of the Holy Spirit and not just for a Sunday morning. They're not just for a worship meeting. Maybe that word of knowledge that uh, you feel the Holy Spirit whispering to you is not for someone here, but maybe it's for your work colleague tomorrow. Maybe it's for a friend that you'll play uh, sport with on Wednesday night. Maybe it's for somebody you're going to meet in the pub on Friday. Maybe it's for your neighbour. Gifts of the Spirit are not just for this context, friends. And actually, it's as we go, as we're obedient to him, that I think the Holy Spirit comes more and more and whispers things to us and gives us the power to live for him and to be obedient to his promptings. I want us this morning to pray in a moment. I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit comes to us afresh. And for some of you that may be uh, a new thing for the first time. Others of you it may be, hey, you just need to know more of Jesus. But my challenge to you is this, and perhaps the band could come up as I bring this, please. Let me ask you a question. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you for more of the Lord? Whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years or more, you can still be thirsty. Or you can still be, you can still be thirsty or you can just get satisfied too easily. And I think for many of us, we often get too satisfied too quickly. And I believe God has more for us. Much more for us. But actually, what he wants to see in us is a hunger and a thirst for him that says, Lord, I want to see more. I think those are the sort of prayers that God loves to answer. Do you want to come to him afresh this morning? Are you thirsty for more of him? Can we stand together? I'm going to pray. And uh, then I'm going to ask Caroline to lead us in a song. And uh, then we're going, to, we're going to pray again. And expect the Holy Spirit to come. Lord Jesus, we want to say this morning that we love you. We do love you. We do love your presence. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love your work in our lives. We love your work in your church. And Lord, I want to pray this morning that you would give each of us a greater hunger for you. A greater hunger for your presence. A greater hunger for your glory. A greater hunger for your name. A greater desire to see you and to know you. Not just receive your gifts, but... Lord, to know you and receive you in our lives. And Father, I want to pray right now that you'd put in us, please, a greater hunger for Jesus, a greater hunger for his presence. Lord, I I want to pray now you would give us a holy dissatisfaction with what we've seen of you thus far. Because, Lord, we believe that you have more for us. We believe you have more for us, even today. And so we pray, Lord God, would you come. Let's worship the Lord together before we pray. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.